So it's the last but one day of the year. And as Phyllis was praying, we've all sort of experienced all sorts of things over the year, haven't we? And through, the ch- through us together as a church, so we've feasted on different things, I think. Like on a Sunday morning, we've had different themes, which we'll look at in a moment. And we've come together to pray and we've come together to love each other and to help each other and share with each other. And these were the four themes that we looked at on a Sunday morning. We thought about the big hero, small story, where there were some important people that we, had in, that we read about, but maybe only two or three verses that we read about them. And then in April and May, we looked at Isaiah. Don't forget to pack was July and August. And then thinking about Revelation, those seven churches in October and uh, November. And you sort of think, well, that was what we did this year. So what's happening in this coming year then? If you uh, read the website and you were at the council meeting in October, you'll know that the four things that we're looking at on a Sunday morning will be the 12 disciples. And then there's an overview of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then we're looking at the armour of God later in the year as well. And all these different series that we've had this year and all these different ones that we're going to be having in this coming year have spurred me on in different ways to look to God and to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you with all my heart, all my soul, all my being. I want to follow you. But perhaps this was the one for me that was the most practical about putting our things in our metaphorical suitcase and taking the right things with us in life. These were the things that we discussed. We said we needed to put God first. We needed to repent ourselves and then forgive others. We're a family, so we need to meet together. We need to go to church. We need to become a person of prayer, read the Bible. We need to be generous in many ways. We need to speak about Jesus, worship everywhere, and then we need to keep going as well. And it's today that we're going to be thinking about this theme a little bit more and maybe drawing out a few more conclusions about what we have thought about already. And sometimes people, when I was younger, I'd have friends at school or a friend who would say, you can either take it or leave it. They gave me an ultimatum kind of thing. Do this or do that. Not very nice. So I'm not going to say, let's take it or leave it, because that's got a rah, rah, rah. I'm going to say, are we going to leave it or are we going to take it? Same words in a different order, but that's the thing I want us to think about today. Thinking about our suitcase, perhaps, again, a little bit more. Because the thing is, we all have decisions to make in our lives. And sometimes we can be really good at easy decisions, can't we? We can say, oh, yes, this is what I need to do today, or this is what we're going to do shopping-wise, or this is who the friend I'm going to meet this week for coffee. But sometimes we can have difficult decisions, and we might put them off, and they get a bit more complicated. They get a bit harder, because we've put them off. Today we're going to look briefly, and it is briefly, at six different Bible characters. Now I bet you could think of lots more, but if we thought of lots more this morning, we'd be here till next year, wouldn't we? And that's, that's true, because it's only a little way away, as you know. But what we want to do is look at these people briefly, and then apply the lessons from their lives into our own lives, and think about how can we think about what they've done. Now, these six people I've thought about are all well-known, and you'll know them, and some of them you'll think, oh, yes, that was that instance, that was that occasion that they did that. 
But if you think about another occasion, they'll be different. They'll be different people, different sort of things we can think about. So just go with me and think about the things that we're saying about that situation they were in. Here's the first one. Or ones. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. What book of the Bible are they in then? Daniel, right. So do you remember, they were sort of uh, taken away, taken into exile, and then they were saying to King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the chappie in charge, we're going to follow God, it doesn't matter what you do, mate, is what they're saying, or your royal highness, or your majesty. This is a bit from Daniel then. I'll read it to you. Daniel three sixteen to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not worried about what will happen to us. If we are thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. But if he doesn't, please understand, sir, that even then we will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have erected. So he was, they were saying to this rather big chap, sort of majestic, you have all these wonderful clothes on, I'm sure. I'm not going to worship you. We're following God. It doesn't matter what happens to us. We're following God. How about the next person? Again, you all know this lady. She's a well-known person. Ruth. Here's a few verses from Ruth. Ruth is saying this. This is Ruth chapter 1, 16 and 17. And she's talking to her mother-in-law. Stop pushing me away. Insisting that I stop following you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will also die and be buried there near you. May the Eternal One punish me, and even more so if anything besides death comes between us. So she was committed to her husband who died, and then she was committed in a really righteous, lovely way to her mother-in-law, saying, Naomi, whatever you say, you can't put me off. I am going to be a blessing to you because you've been a blessing to me. You've helped me. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep on helping and loving you. How about another person? And you're getting the, the idea about it. This is all positive so far, isn't it? Joshua. Again, let's just read a little bit. This is near where Joshua is dying. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Then Joshua said to the people, Now respect the Lord and serve him fully and sincerely. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped on the other side of the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if you don't want to serve the Lord, you must choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. You may serve the gods that your ancestors worshipped when they lived on the other side of the Euphrates River. Or you may serve the gods of the Amorites who lived in this land. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua was getting to the end of his life. And you might sort of think, oh yeah, he's earned retirement. He's earned putting his feet up, making it a lot easier and just making it easy for himself. It wasn't like that at all, was he? He wasn't saying, oh yeah, I'll just go along with every what you say. It doesn't matter, I'll just, just go along. It will be nice and easy in the last sort of year or two of my life. He was saying, God has done this for me. I've seen God work in my life. 
that's the way I'm going to be to the end. I'm not going to have any of this compromise, mediocre nonsense. I'm going to keep following God. As for me and my family, we're serving God. You can serve God or you can serve something else, but you can't serve God and something else. He was making it plain and simple. All positive so far. Here's some of the negatives then. Have a think about these. Because the Bible is full of real life, isn't it? And just like our life, when we talk about it with each other, our life isn't like these three all the time. Sometimes it's rather tricky. And we have to sort of say, oh Lord, I need your help. I need your love. How about this chap? Gideon. I'll read a little bit out. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. A couple of verses or so later. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. God had spoken to Gideon in a really obvious way. He went personally to go and talk with him. And yet, Gideon didn't see what God saw. He thought, well, I can see what I can see. God's saying that, but I can see what I can see. So God must be wrong. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. Where you've thought, hmm, God's saying, do this, do that, be an encouragement, do the other. And yet, we find that a bit tricky because we see ourselves a little bit different, or a lot different. And so, perhaps we don't answer the call. The brilliant thing is that what I get out of Gideon is in his name. And maybe I've said this before because I learned it years and years ago. But this is the thing I get from his name. God is dependent entirely on nobodies. G-I-D-E-O-N, Gideon. God is dependent entirely on nobodies. I'm glad I'm a nobody. On you. That is brilliant because God is entirely dependent on nobodies. If we sort of go out into Nuneaton or Atherstone or Hinckley or Coventry, people will just walk past us because we're not on the telly. We haven't got millions of people following our YouTube channel. We haven't got this. We haven't got that. They think we're nobodies. Maybe in a way we are. But also, do you remember how 2 Peter says, you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A people belonging to God. So this is one of those things in the Bible where we're trying to balance being nobodies, because in a way we are. But at the same time, we're special. We're different. But Gideon was thinking, oh, I can't do this. I haven't got the capabilities. God, you're asking me to do it? Oh, that's a bit daft. But God is, in, in, is dependent entirely on nobodies. Let's think of another person. Jonah. You know what I'm going to say about him, but let's read a little bit out. This is Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim judgment against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord and his duty as his prophet. So do you remember the story? Uh, Jonah was in uh, Joppa, 
No, it was going to Joppa. He was in Tarshish, weren't he? Which is a port. And God said, go to Nineveh. That's over here. But what did Jonah do? He went over here, didn't he? Because he was saying, God said something to me, but I don't agree with it. I think God's wrong. I think God shouldn't have said that. I don't agree with what God said, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what I think is best. And yet, his duty as his prophet, as God's prophet, was to do what God said. In a couple of chapters later, after Jonah had gone to uh, the city, God saw what they had done, that they had turned away from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God, God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. And so we've got the idea of Jonah's got his own opinion. He was God's prophet, and yet he was kind of listening to God, but he wasn't doing what God said because he had his own opinion and was really strong about it. He did the opposite of what God said. He went to the West instead of the East because his opinion was really strong. One more people, one more person, but a couple this time. And again, I bet you've heard of these, this time from the New Testament. Ananias and Sapphira. I'll read a little bit out. Now a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira likewise sold their farm. They conspired to secretly keep back for themselves a portion of the proceeds. So when Ananias brought the money to the apostles, it was only a portion of the entire sale. Now if you look back at the end of Acts chapter 4, you'll find out that all, because that's a, it's a quote, it's all of the believers were as one. They were sharing their possessions. And when things were needed, they'd sell a house or sell some farmland or something. So that when people were in need, they could give this money to the apostles, to the people in charge, and they'd make sure that the things that were needed were bought and everyone was, was happy. Ananias and Sapphira had this idea that they'd sell their land, but then they'd just keep some of it for themselves. And when the apostles said to them, is this all the proceeds you've had? They said, yeah, that's right. So they're being secretive, as the verse is saying. They weren't doing things properly. If they'd have said, this is what we've got, but we need to keep this ourselves and give this to the church, give this to the people in need, that would have been fine, wouldn't it? But because they were secretive and didn't do what everyone else was doing, doing what God was saying to share with people... So God was very unhappy with them. They had this attitude of doing things secretly. I told you it was going to be brief. And they're the six brief, quick ideas. Leave it or take it. We have decisions to make. And these decisions are either yes to God, no to God, or seemingly yes to God for all of those people. And they're the options that we have today as well. When God says something to us, either from uh, someone encouraging us or reading from the Bible ourselves, we can say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you say. Both feet forward, I'm going with it. Or we can say, no, Lord, I don't think I'm going to do that. 
that's too hard, I'm not ready, that's too difficult. Or we can just be a bit secretive about it and not go all the way and just do a bit of what God's saying to us. I bet when I look around, I can see that most of us have been in other countries. This is the thing that you'll often see when you come back from another country or go into another country. Because once you've gone through passport control, then you've got customs, haven't you? You've got the green channel, which most people go through. Nothing to declare. You're just going through and you're saying, yep, everything is there that uh, is proper. Then you've got this red channel where you've uh, got to, you're saying, yes, I'm going to declare something. And uh, this is what I've got. And have a look at it, see what tax or whatever I need to pay. I watch a few television programs sometimes when I'm having my lunch at certain times in the week. And one of them sometimes is about passport control and how people aren't always truthful. There's a lot of people going into that green sort of channel and sometimes the people going into the green channel bringing a suitcase with them have got like weapons or drugs or lots of cigarettes or alcohol in them and they shouldn't be taking them or at least they should be paying tax on what they're doing. They're saying I've got nothing to declare but really they have. And that's just like we've got this coming year. We have got a channel to go through. We can be saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to declare you're alive. In my life, I'm going to do things for you. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to go through this green channel. And I've got a list of things that in 2019 we can take with ourselves. These are great things. So what will you take into 2019? Will you take love? Peace, forgiveness, honesty, prayerfulness, humility, and lessons learnt in 2018. All these words, sometimes it's great to love people that love us. That's really easy, isn't it? To sort of say, yeah, I can love you. You're giving me love back so I can love you really easily. But we know that God calls us to something more than that, doesn't he? God says, love those who persecute you. Love those who do nasty things to you or say horrid things or things like that. And the same with all these other things. Lessons learned. I know all those hundreds of days we've had this year, we've all learned things from God and about ourselves this coming year. And what a blessing it is if we can remember all those things, those little nuggets, if you like, and take them into next year. Because there's so much that we've collectively and individually learnt that would be great to remember them and learn, not need to learn that lesson again. So that's great things to take into 2019. How about this next slide then? These are perhaps things that might be a good thing to leave in 2018. My rights. That's a good to leave we don't need to take that with us do we our self-importance gossiping about others not caring for others prayerlessness bad habits and routines and there's that lessons learnt in 2018 again it's easy to say oh I'm not going to take them to look at some of those that list or maybe there's something else in your mind that you're thinking about 
and you say, yeah, okay, 2018, New Year resolution, I'm not going to do this. I am going to do that. And sometimes I read about it, and it's happened in the past as well to me. Sometimes you really think, yeah, I'm going to be less prayerless and more prayerful. I'm going to be more joyful. I'm going to be more forgiving. I'm going to be more honest and humble. Because that's the lessons I've learned this year and the year before and the year before that. But sometimes it's a bit tricky, isn't it, after a few weeks. But we're going to pray in a little while and say, Lord, help me to take the right things into next year and leave the things that I don't need because they're not necessary. I wonder if you're taking anything secretly into next year. Things that none of us really know. Because even the best person can put a mask on, can't they, when they're meeting other people. They can sort of put a front on and be an actor or an actress. And as I was thinking about it this week, this word popped into my mind. Are you preparing to smuggle things into 2019? And you sort of, again, these televisions or television programmes that you sort of see people going in or Poldark where these sailors would carry things off and, uh, without paying customs and things. But I wonder what sort of things in our lives, if we're real with God and just talking to him now and saying, Lord, this is what I'm like. And I don't want people to know I'm like that. It's like smuggling it in into next year. It's in a secret way that people don't notice or don't know about. What about these things? Envy, impurity, bitterness, dissension, unrighteous anger. What about shame or regret that we're just secretly taking in with us into next year? And really God is saying, you don't need to take those in with you. And this is the reason. God disapproves of them. God doesn't want us to be envious or bitter or carrying things that are just holding us back and holding us down. Jesus taught his disciples a prayer. We say it often. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, kept holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven, left, remitted and let go of the debts and have given up resentment against our debtors. And lead, bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And perhaps that's what God is whispering to you now. To let go of things that you've been holding. And maybe you've held them tightly because you were right and this other person was wrong. But maybe God is saying now, don't hold on to those things anymore. Put them down. Come into this new year in a new way with me. 
It's not very clear. But that's what it was. Last Wednesday, Jill and I and Reuben went for a walk in Bradgate Park. And this is Reuben. About 20 yards away from me. Because it was really foggy. And he was just... It was, it was like he was on Doctor Who or something like that, some science fiction programme. He was walking into the gloom. You couldn't see where he was going, but he was walking away and walking really sort of easily. And I looked at him just walking into the gloom. And I thought, I wonder if that's how you see this coming year. Does 2019 look uncertain or gloomy to you? Are you apprehensive about it? We can't see very far, much forward into the distance. Reuben was walking along happy as Reuben. I don't know who Larry is, but he was happy as Reuben, or as happy as me. And he was walking along, all was great. He couldn't really see what was there. But Jill and I were just a few yards behind him. God's right with us. Whatever we think is going to happen this year, and for some of us, life is going to change a lot, isn't it? Either with going away to study or going away, just moving house with work or, or friends moving away. Things can change a lot over this coming year. But God is with us. God is right beside us. Reuben wasn't on his own as he was walking into the gloom. He had two people that were really for him really there with him. And he knew that. That's why he wasn't nervous about it. That's why he wasn't thinking, oh, Dad, will you go first? He was happy as Reuben. He was going for it. And that's what I think we can do in this coming year. We don't know what is lot this next year is going to bring. But we know God is with us. We know that we don't have to put up with the things we've done in the past, but we know God is with us. Things can change for the better. Not just individually, but for the church and for Nuneaton as well. So, don't forget to pack. We need to think about the things we're packing into this next year and the things that we're taking with us. You've heard me say this quote a few times from John Wimber. It seems the more I think about not sinning, the more I sin. But the more I think about just loving Jesus, the less I seem to sin. Falling in love seems to be the key. And for me, I want to be really active at loving Jesus more. Knowing God more. Because I know then everything else will fall into place. If I put God first in my life, then as I'm sort of going about my normal things that I do, then I know things get done properly. We don't have to believe the devil's lies about next year. We don't just have to bumble along and just sort of let it happen. We can be active. We can be knowing that God is with us and he is in the business of changing our hearts and the hearts of other people around. I've been coming to this church about 10 years. Next month, it'll be 10 years since I started coming. And, I was, and things have changed in the church a lot. But the thing that is really important to me is in the title, 
and the Neaton Christian Fellowship. That's got to be the centre of what we're doing. Fellowship with each other. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with people that don't know God yet. That's what God's calling us to do. To have fellowship with him. So that we know that when people come in, we're friendly. When, when we're here, we're friendly with each other. We're not being nasty or horrible or all these sort of things. We're just loving and wanting the best for each other. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 8, and he said this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Centre your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Centre your mind so it's a real focus to think about such things. And we know if we think about certain things, often that helps us, well, often, well, more than often, nearly always, it will help us with our actions as well, won't it? As we centre our minds on things. And then the next verse, do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. And you know, harmony in music, it's not about everything being played the same. It's not about everyone singing the same note or playing the same note. It's all about us all having different things, different notes, different gifts that God has given us, but all working together to sound beautiful. And for all of us, our... The composers that we might favour might be different from each other. You might like Burt Bacharach, or you might like George Gershwin, or you might like uh, a few others. But they're not rolling off the tip of my tongue. But do you know what I mean? You can like all these different musics because you enjoy the harmony, you enjoy what's going on. And whatever the harmony is that really does you, Think of that and think of us as the fellowship together, working together, being beautiful notes, beautiful lives, entwining together, being brought together so that God is doing something beautiful. John 10.10 says that God came, Jesus came so that we'd have life and have it to the full. And that's what we can expect in 2019, that as we say, yes, Lord, I want to put you first. I don't want to smuggle things along. I want to put you first. I want to make 2019 a year when you are glorified in my life, when you are glorified in us collectively. So we thought about these people, Gideon, Jonah, and Ananias, Sapphira, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Ruth, and Joshua. And we've kind of put them into categories, haven't we? We've thought to ourselves... In the instances that we thought about, in the stories that we briefly thought about, they were either following God wholeheartedly or not on that occasion. What about me and you? We've got time to think about it, haven't we? We've got time to say, yes, Lord, I'm endeavouring to put you first, to thirst after you. Lord, 
I don't want to have the question mark over my life for next year. I want to say, yes, I'm all for God. I'm all for following you and giving you my heart. We don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon, do we? Or tomorrow, let alone what's going to happen in the year ahead. But we do know that it's our own decision to follow God with everything that we've got or not to follow God with everything that we've got. It's a decision that we can all make. We can all listen and obey God. So we all have these decisions to make. And what God is saying is, great. The best thing to remember that I've been thinking about these last few days is in next year, I want to put God first. I also want to put God second. And I also want to put God third. I want to put God at the centre of what I'm doing, the centre of what I'm thinking about, so that the decisions I know I'll be making in this coming year and the decisions I've no idea about because the circumstances just aren't there. I just have no idea about some of the things that I'll come across. Whatever the decisions I need to make, I'm say, yes, Lord, for you. Yes, I'm going to follow you with all my heart. Yes, you are the one I'm going to centre my life around. So we're going to pray now, and then maybe there might be time for praying together later on as well, just so we can say, yes, Lord, not just for some of the time, but for more and more of the time, Lord, be the centre of my life. So thank you, Lord, that we've read a lot from your word today. Different people, different situations, different time. But Lord, in our lives today and tomorrow and through the coming year, Lord, whatever we know we're going to be doing, whatever we think we might be doing and whatever we have no idea about because the situation can be so different in even just a few weeks, Lord, we give you our lives again and say, be our Lord and Saviour. Help, Lord, for other people to know who we are, what we stand for, because of our relationship with you, Lord. So, Lord, come and help us and encourage us to do these things, Lord, because we ask it in your name. Amen.